0: If I can't sell the better coffee that our farmers are now producing for a better price, I fail. You done? Never heard of it. This is actually quite nice, but that is easy to solve. The average consumption is less than two cups a year. The French term of la commune, processing methods, to get more complexity out of the bean, for the fun of it.
1: Welcome to Bean Stuff. Do people have a concept or a misconception of Chinese coffee that you have to break? Or are people typically pretty open to trying it as a new coffee?
0: People are, in my, my experience, open to trying new coffees. Mm. And there is mm. um, like a stigma that you need to overcome first when it comes to Yunnan mm. coffees. In the better of two cases, um, people just have... No expectations. You know, Yunnan? Never heard of it. <laughs> Let's see what that is. Right? Yeah, yeah. And now with with this year's harvest, typically we get now positive reactions from these people. Yeah. Because they didn't expect anything. Oh, this is actually quite nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, much harder is when people have been cupping um, commercial-grade Yunnan coffees before, yeah. which have a tradition of having issues with clean cup, which have a tradition with things as bad as phenolic as a as an undesirable note in there. Mm. Everything explainable with the mass coffee-oriented processing methods in relatively small and poorly equipped settings. Mm. So they would dry the coffees mm-hmm. on broken patios where's wow. the dogs and the cats and the chickens running <laughs> over it all the time. Wow. And when the rain comes and Yunnan is a place on this planet where during the harvest season you do have temporary heavy rains. Mm-hmm. They come out of the blue. <laughs> Suddenly you have a day or even two or even three days of rain. Now, when they're not equipped for it, oh, you do. you're halfway through the drying and you get wet again and you get mold and you get all kinds of uncontrolled fermentation situations. That resulted in that proverbial Yunnan phenolic. But that is easy to solve you just need to get the coffee on raised drying beds and you need to get your tarps over them Mm. and as a byproduct to that you also get a much more even drying behavior because you don't have the direct sun exposure anymore you just you 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 get the warmth of your sun but you don't get the Mm. the direct exposure which makes it much more controllable um, in drying so in Mm. the end we now get even the people who were skeptics when they go like they're like <laughs> this is very different from what I expected.
1: <laughs> yeah. and,
0: and and but we need to have way more opportunities. We need to grab way more opportunities to put the coffees on the table, mm. also put them on the table with other origins together, yeah. that people can see where where is it now. Into a mm. blind. S- yeah. So those the yeah.
2: expectations, like, wow, what's this? This coffee right. is so cool. Yeah. Which, yeah. Oh, do oh, you Nan, Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, some of the, like the farmers when they start. Getting this coffee to taste better. Do, do, do they get to taste their? So I wondered the same question. Yeah, once it's been processed and gone through all these
2: changes, yeah. do they get to taste coffees from other areas? Right. Or? So
0: that that that's part of of what's really important mm-hmm. that the farmers actually get to calibrate themselves, right? That they get to yeah. see, okay, now what's my coffee like, mm. and what's the coffee from other farms like, and what's the coffee from other origins like? Mm. Mm. So, um, part of what we do in the in, in the farming community is to be, we teach them sensory. Wow. Okay. I mean, not to the degree that they have to do a Q-grader exam, but just <laughs> yeah. just the basics of sensory that they can appreciate their coffees. Mm. We teach them how to sample roast, mm. so that actually, on the farms we can go and regularly cup great. with them wow. and we bring more more frequently it's also it's just other Yunnan coffees that we have coffees from the other farms mm-hmm. and and show them what are the differences and where, where they are in the in the mix now, but once in a while we have the opportunity that we have like a green sample from somewhere else that we can bring in and roast yeah. and, and sample so it's it's this education about knowing what they've mm. got is really really important because mm-hmm. we we cannot buy and resell all of the coffees in Yunnan. Yunnan last year did 130,000 tons of coffee. Mm. <laughs> Most of that, of course, by far is is um, commercial grade coffee mm-hmm. and used as filler in in blends. Half of it goes to Europe.
2: And the specialty part of it, how much does that? goes back into China for cafes in China compared to overseas. Is that that different? Yeah, so
0: um, last year's numbers, this year's numbers aren't out yet, but last year 130,000 tons of coffee, um, 60,000 roughly were exported. Half of that went to Europe, so about 30,000 tons to Europe. The rest mostly to Australia and the US, Mm -hmm. and then a little bit to Japan and other places. So half of it stayed in China, but the vast majority of that essentially went to, that stays in China, went to Nestle, and there it's a, a big, big proportion still is is instant coffees, because mm-hmm. Chinese do like mm-hmm. to drink instant coffees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the other big part went to Starbucks.
1: In mm. China, is there a piece that sticks out as like the most challenging piece to get to get right?
0: Well, what, what's really hardest to do, from my perspective, is the coffee shops, because um, it's complex to mm-hmm. run a coffee shop, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. very, very, uh, the, the costs are very high in Shanghai or in any other big mm. city. Now, in the small cities, it's also hard to run coffee shops because there's not so many people drinking coffee yet. <laughs> right. but the average consumption is less than two cups a year in China, wow. hmm. but that is very disparate. That's like, um, people in Shanghai, Beijing, Nanjing, Guangzhou, Shenzhen—these big metropolies, they already drink more like a cup a week on mm. average. And in the rest of the country, you can imagine how little that then yeah. is if you get to the average, average of like yeah. one and a half cups a year. Yeah. But it's growing really quickly. Mm. But it's mostly in these more affluent pockets, the big cities, whereas a lot of younger people that have more disposable income that go like, oh no, I'm going to have a coffee and. And in and, and these places, rent and, um, and salaries are actually quite high.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, so it's very, very hard to, to make money with cafes.
1: How long have you, with Coffee Coming, had a coffee shop or had a coffee shop? Is, is it just one or is it multiple? We,
0: we, we had three. We closed one when the rents went up and <laughs> we're about to open the third again. Wow. Um, so it, it works out for us, uh, mm-hmm. but in particular because for us, the coffee shops are not like the source of income that <laughs> right. makes or breaks it. For us, the coffee shops are really something that needs to pay for itself. Mm. That's all we require of the coffee shops. It's about promoting coffee culture mm. to the Chinese consumers. Because yes. it's it's actually quite symbiotic. There is like Starbucks mm. putting big marketing money into the market to to get people interested in buying in, in, in drinking coffee, mm-hmm. not buying and drinking coffee. Yeah. And they open shop after shop after mm. shop and it gets bigger and bigger. So that 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 creates a much, much bigger, continuously growing cake of Hmm. Of coffee drinkers, yeah. but in there there is then people who ask themselves, well, is there any other way to drink coffee? Is there is there different coffees? Is there perhaps better coffees than this? Mm. And that's that's where we want to be. We want to be there for them and say, look, you can hand pour over coffee and there's all these different origins and, and you can do it in a siphon or you can do it in an AeroPress. Or now there's a new product that we also like a lot, the Delta Press. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, it looks right, like yeah. an AeroPress, yeah. but it's different. It has a different mechanism in, in the bottom. So just letting people... Experience different ways of doing coffee. Mm. Um, also, when I mean, not just the proverbial latte, but have, have you tried a flat white? Mm-hmm. Have you, have you have you tried a cappuccino the way it's traditionally done? Right, two ounce, two ounce, two ounce. Yeah, so yeah. just that people can get a different feel for what coffee can be, mm-hmm. and yeah. they are so enjoying that. The Chinese yeah. consumers are so hungry for these for these new experiences. Mm-hmm. So we're now doing consumer classes. It's not something where you get certified, but it's just. Teaching them sensory, teaching mm. them how to brew, teaching them how to do latte art to a degree, yeah. just for for the for the fun of it, mm-hmm. they, yeah. j- they just enjoy that. So that's what the cafes are for. So I'm not I'm not really hoping to make a lot of mm. um, money with with the cafes as long as they can sustain themselves and we can reach more and more people mm-hmm. um, with different ways of enjoying coffee. I
2: remember talking to, to Adam about the names mm. that you use is, is important because it can be mistranslated so mm. easily. Mm. And it's really a simple question I'm about yeah. to ask you. Yeah. What's the name of your cafe and how did that come about?
0: The name of the cafe? Yeah. Well, in Chinese, it's called Cafe Gongshu, which is the literal translation coffee commune. <laughs> uh-huh. And... Um, it's a little tongue in cheek that name, because <laughs> from commune to communism is not oh. very far, right? I know. Yeah. And and cafe Gong shi in Chinese actually is the is the organization form of organizing work after the cultural revolution. So particularly the farmers that we work with, they immediately get it. They say, Okay, so we are doing this.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And that's what it's about. We are doing this. Now, in English, Coffee Commune, actually, that was where we started out with the name. Actually, my wife and I, we just discussed, what are we going to call this thing? So we knew what we were trying to do. We're trying to create something that everybody has ownership of. Right? The, mm-hmm. the farmers feel they, they, they own this, the baristas feel they own this, but we also want the consumers to feel they are part of this, mm-hmm. they, they own this. Mm-hmm. And so we got to the French term of la commune, so the, the, the people who would jointly have an interest and then put their talents and money mm-hmm. into it to make it happen. That's the origin wow. of it, wow. right? And so that's what we call it. And then we realized, oh, in Chinese, there's actually an interesting term. So the young people in the cities, they find this fun because it has this <laughs> yeah. this sort of. tongue-in-cheek reference <laughs> to the days that they now don't embrace anymore. Yeah. Um, and the farmers, on the other hand, quite unexpectedly, actually, go, oh, yeah, 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 this is, this is great. This is, this is how I operate. This is what I understand. Wow. Makes huh. sense. question.
1: One of the things I wanted to bring up was Project 86 Plus. Yeah. Um, You and a couple of other people have kind of come together to create this. What, for people who don't know what it is, what is, what is Project 86 Plus?
0: Right. Yeah. So it's, it's um, an initiative that um, Michael Ryan from Threadbare and Dapper and Wise and I started. Mm. And others have come alongside as well, mm. who are in in, Puerh, in or in Yunnan, Puerh and, and beyond. And the, the concept is to get Yunnan coffees ready for the global specialty market. Mm. Um, and we call it 86 plus, because you can argue that from 86 points onwards, it can't be just an okay specialty coffee. From these points onwards, when, when you cup, if a coffee gets more than 86 points it's unique. It has a character. It has something going there that people will go like, "Ooh, I really want to have this on the table again in the next round when you have like competitions, right?" Mm-hmm. So that that was the thinking behind it. We said like we call it a project mm-hmm. because it's not we call it that and the coffees are like that. Mm-hmm. It's a project, it's work that needs to be done continuously, consistently over several seasons. Yeah. And and the target is to get these coffees consistently over 86 points. That's oh. what's why we call it 86 plus. Yeah. And the way we do this is in, 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 in two in two areas. One is on the farms, on the ground, to be very systematic about specifying what needs to be done and recording how it's done, Mm -hmm. so that we have statistically relevant information that we can then analyse and say, OK, what what did that yield us? Mm -hmm. So that we can really see what are the best methods, what are the best practices for that particular terra, for that particular uh, varietal. And because over 90% of all coffee in Yunnan is one varietal, and that's Katimor. And Katimor mm-hmm. is not known for its complexity. Katimor mm-hmm. is sweet, has a good body, has all that, but we need to work really hard on processing methods to get more complexity out of the bean. Mm-hmm. And it works, but it needs yeah. to be done systematically. Mm-hmm. And on the other side is like making sure that we understand what the market wants. So we've been able to enlist 30 roasters and cuppers from all around the world, specialty roasters and cuppers. Some former roast champions like uh, Ruben Gardelli is one of them and Alexandru Nicole is one of them and James Craig from Australia is one of them. So, um, just to name a few, <laughs> so in, in total 30, Wow. From every continent except Antarctica, and that's only because I couldn't find a roast. In Antarctica. <laughs> we um, could whip on that. <laughs> are you listening out there? <laughs> <laughs> and they and they are all. Um, they've all agreed to receive the samples as often as we send, hmm. like um, waves of samples, to roast them and to cup them and to send <laughs> us their feedback in our structured, very simple report format. Yeah. within a week of receiving the samples. That's all they need to do. So they don't have to pay anything. They don't have to buy the coffees or anything. They just need to give us their honest feedback, what they think about the coffees. So we're really excited until it's there because um, it takes time until everybody had their samples and until everything comes back. Michael, Ryan, he is collating all that. So we'll probably have another three to four weeks to go until we can actually take a real look at how did it go? Wow. How popular are these coffees? What, what are the, the actual feedbacks? What is good about it? What is not so good about it? So that we have our bearings for the next season, which starts pretty soon now in terms of preparation with fertilizing strategies and all that. Fertilization what strategies. What is
2: it? This, I'm thinking, what is the harvest season in China?
0: Harvest is from October to March, so late October to early March, and it, it, it oscillates a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Moon calendar. But, um, yeah, the, like the core season really is November to February. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where most of the growing regions are really in full swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have pretty a pretty wide spectrum of altitude. So it starts even mm-hmm. below 1,000 meters and goes up to 1,800 meters. We also bear, need to bear in mind we're at around 23-degree latitude. So the the actual altitude is actually higher than what the numbers say hmm. because we're so far north hmm. so you get much denser beans than you expect from the altitude that you measure when you are up
2: there another question i have i see your motivation mm-hmm. I, I love what you're talking about getting people out of the poverty cycle mm-hmm. and, and so it's not just it's not making millions of dollars it's mm-hmm. it's it's about how can we help people i'm just, what The question is sort of in terms of what gets you up in the morning? Because it sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of hard work. (laughs) And everyone's motivated by different things, different whatever. But for you personally, what motivates you to to work so hard at this?
0: Well, it's it's the hope of seeing these, these families change. But I could also just make it a bigger word and say... I want to disrupt this industry. Mm. I just want it to change because it's not an isolated thing.
1: Mm.
0: When we look at it, um, New York City today is less than a dollar a pound. Mm. That was also true at a point in time 20 years ago and then many points in time in between. Mm. So you could argue, well, what's wrong with that? It's, it seems to be the right level of pricing. Well. Twenty years ago, one dollar was worth much more than it was is today right so everybody else is ha, is, is getting higher incomes now, but the farmers are not they're mm. still getting what they get got twenty years ago, but their mm. cost of living didn't stay where it was twenty years right. ago mm. so that's why twenty years ago farmers around the world with that price weren't getting rich, but they were able to live they had hope mm-hmm. they they stayed in coffee and they made plans and how to get it better, get get better coffee and get more coffee and so on. Now, Mm. not only in Yunnan, all over the world, with maybe the exception of Brazil and Vietnam, people are dropping out of this because they just don't know anymore what to do. Mm -hmm. And why should that be when consumers all over the world drink more and more coffee Mm -hmm. and are perfectly willing to pay $5 a cup?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So there is something wrong with the way how this industry functions. It's It's been in very stable tracks for a very long time. It's an old industry. It just functions in a certain way, and that way is not fair to those who ta- who make the hardest effort, who, who, who contribute the hardest work, and that's the farmers. I just feel it's time that it gets disrupted, and we have people in every Origin. It's not just something that we do in Yunnan. We have people in every origin that that are trying to do something there. Mm -hmm. And I think now, with some of the technologies that are available to us, I think we might just be able to create a disruptive business model for this industry, not to get less coffee or worse coffee or to make the coffee even more expensive for consumers, quite the contrary. Mm-hmm. You just think that it is possible to be more efficient in this industry mm. and to work with less steps in the middle mm. so that... What any, anyone pays here at Dapper or wherever at, uh, for for their cup of coffee also results in a proper livelihood for the people who grow the coffee in the first place.
1: As you're going through this journey, and it's I mean, there's a, you guys are you are doing amazing work. What what's something that you're really excited about that you either see coming or or you's currently working on? What's what's something that's changing that you're really excited about at the moment?
0: Well, I I hope it's gonna change. I'm not sure yet, I'm not (laughs) sure if we're we're seeing it. it. (laughs) But I I do think that um, technologies that are now available for us to actually really Mm. connect the farmers directly with a roaster um, seamlessly, also to make that payment process seamless, big word, blockchain. Yeah. there, there is intelligent solutions that nowadays don't have to cost a lot and that you don't need a big computer set up for. You can do that with <laughs> smartphones. And mm. in a village, even if it's as poor as it is, typically you have somewhere close enough, you have connectivity, and the village can have at least one smartphone. Yeah. So you, we, we we are more and more in a position to to bring the farmers closer to the consumers. And what I already see is that Um, specialty roasters artisan roasters they are very interested in that because Mm -hmm. they have customers who are asking Mm. yes yeah so there's more and more people that are willing to pay quite a decent price for Mm -hmm. a good roast Mm -hmm. that are saying to their roaster I want to know where this coffee is from I want to know how these people are doing Mm. and we can provide them that access to that information and that's something that the big integrators will find more difficult to do because their business model works differently. They, mm. they literally put the coffee together mm. because they think in container loads, they think in large contracts, mm. futures. Mm-hmm. We think in villages. Mm. We think in micro lots. Yeah. And in the past, that was economically not feasible, to try and do the logistics for traceable microlots of a couple of bags of coffee. Mm. But with the technological changes that are happening right now, it's not very costly anymore to trace an individual lot. Hmm. And it's not very complicated to combine several distinct lots that stay distinct into a combined shipment and ship that to Seattle hmm. wow. or Vancouver or Hamburg. Yeah, that's our big hope, and it 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 it's, it's got to become a movement of some sort. So it, it, there's a need that people join forces in this. We can't change the world alone, but we can do the good we know, right? So yeah. I can do what I what I can in my little limited area there, and mm-hmm. somebody else does it in in Ethiopia, and somebody else does it in Costa Rica, and so on and so forth. But in the end, it comes down to um, the community of coffee lovers mm. of of. Mm coffee professionals to to actually come together and say, look, we want it to be right Mm. and we can be part of doing it right and then we are ready there to connect. Mm. We're just waiting to connect. We're just waiting to be called up by, by roasters that would want to do this mm. and are willing to put their money where their mouth is and say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy a pallet or I'll just buy a few bags, but I want to I be part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that is, in the end, the proof of the pudding. Mm. If I can't sell the coffee, the mm. better coffee that our farmers are now producing mm. for a better price, I fail. Mm. I have to get them connected with the market. Yeah artist piece really is Mm. for us to have a continuously growing number of customers none of them has to buy a lot of coffee but Mm. we have to have an increasing network of of roasters and buyers that would take a bag or two or a pallet Mm -hmm. of these coffees so that we can reach more and more farms because every farm only makes a couple of hundred kilos Mm. Mm. maybe a ton or two if it's a bigger of our smaller farms. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I don't even dream of shipping full container loads of that coffee to one particular roaster. Mm. That's not our <laughs> business model. What we're really looking forward to is having people who kind of like adopt the farm, right? Mm-hmm. say so like, I want to know where this coffee is from and I want to push that coffee in my community. I want to tell that story. Mm. Yeah, And then we are ready to provide the coffee. We are ready to provide the information. We're ready to invite People over and, and have a look themselves and meet mm-hmm. the people
1: and if people want to get connected with the, the awesome things that you guys are doing what's a good way for people to get connected with coffee commune or project 86 plus
0: well I think the easiest probably for most people is Instagram or Facebook yeah um, outside China at least in China we need a VPN for that <laughs> um, so um, Instagram would be either the handle um, project 86 in numbers and then plus written out that's the mm. project or coffee.comune that's that's us and you find us on uh, Facebook with the handle Yunnan Coffee. That's kind of cool. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> it was
1: available. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's probably the easiest ways to get connected.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and making time to come and
0: good. speak uh, For us. me, that was a dream come true to be able mm-hmm. to meet you. Come. I've been following your podcasts. They're awesome. Oh, well, thank so you. So it was great to have this opportunity just coming over from Boston and, and see you face to face. That was awesome.